Hello, folks, and welcome back to our podcast, Refining Religion, where every week Verlin and I bring you an uncomplicated dialogue about Christianity. My name is Cameron, and I am the host of this podcast. Hey, super excited that today uh, we are wrapping up our first topic. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, at the end of the podcast, we're going to tell you just a little bit more about what comes next. Enjoy. All right. Well, welcome back to our fifth episode of Refining Religion. Uh, this week, we are wrapping up our first topic, and that is the five gifts that death brings. Uh, Verlin, what is the fifth and final gift that we receive? Well, Cameron, the last gift is uh, what we would say simply as goodbye, which shouldn't come as a surprise, but it is a very important uh, piece of this process of letting go of someone you love. And I want to respond quickly by saying that I don't think the process of saying goodbye ever ends. I think maybe we could almost do better saying see you later or talk to you soon because from my experience and from what I've heard from others is that um, go back to a thing we've said before, death doesn't end a relationship, it just changes it. But there is something about uh, the importance of actually saying goodbye that is almost like uh, if you want to think about it like a benediction at the end of a service is kind of the final pronouncement that this uh, experience as we've known it has ended and this way of relating has ended. And so we'll be moving on to a new way of relating that we don't fully understand, but we want to mark this as a, a moment of closure. Yeah. So I just have to ask, what do you think happens when we die? <laughs> I'll go back to something I think I said earlier. Um, if you try to explain to an unborn baby what it's like on the other side of the womb, um, there's no way they could grasp it. And I have a sense that it's sort of like that, that uh, if, if I could tell you or you could tell me, I either wouldn't believe you or it would be so far off that it's really not worth speculating. I mean, we have some, some suggestions of what it's like. We get transformed in some way. I truly believe that we live on, but what, what form that takes or what that's actually like, um, I have no clue. I'm just kind of excited to ex see what it's like. Yeah. Here's something I was thinking about the other night. We obviously, uh, everything we say is in the context of, you know, we come from a Christian background. We were at a Reformed church. Do these gifts apply to everybody, religious or not? And also, how do you comfort somebody who maybe doesn't believe in the um, peace that comes along with the idea of heaven? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, first of all, I think uh, I'm convinced these are universal concepts, that it doesn't matter what your faith tradition is or if you even have a faith tradition. This is very much about the, a a social event in the context of humanity. And so um, I believe everybody goes through these stages or could be helped by using these five tools or five gifts. Um, and when, you know, the question of comforting somebody, and, and I've been in those circumstances where uh, when someone is dying, it's not the time to pull out uh, your King James Bible and uh, start quoting um, the work of chaplains is always, and we're bound to a code of ethics on this, is to stop and to assess 
what has helped this family cope throughout their lifetime? And that's actually a question that we ask. We might ask it a little more sophisticated, but uh, we might say things to them like, so tell me how your family has handled difficult circumstances in the past. What works for you? What helps you get through these things? And we're listening always that if they have a faith to, to really then remind them of that and to draw on that. But for some people, that isn't a part of their experience. And it's, it's, it's bittersweet at those moments because I sort of feel them reaching out and looking for ways to cope. But it's not my place then and there to, to impose my thinking or my thoughts on, on them. The, I think, biggest misconception about death is that, and you kind of touched on this earlier, <clears throat> is that it's like, it's like one and done. You die and it's over. And that, you know, you lost somebody and that's it. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I, grief just goes on and on. There's just no question about it. I think I've said this to you before that um, my mom has been gone seven years now. And I often say uh, it doesn't get that much easier. It just gets more familiar. Um, I know the anniversary dates that come around. I know the feelings that surround those times. I know the moments when I miss her and and actually, I miss her every day still be, uh, for a lot of different reasons. Her artwork is all over our house. And every night I would call her and talk to her at the end of the day just to check in with her. And I still find myself wanting to reach for the phone and to call her to chat with her. So uh, my relationship is different with her, but uh, the grieving part, the missing her just doesn't end. You know, I lost a very, very dear friend in high school. It was the weirdest thing of all time. He was 16 and he just dropped dead in his kitchen. Wow. They have no idea what happened. They think it might be a genetic hmm. like disease. It's not well known yet. And actually calling his phone and leaving voicemails is what got me through the first probably, I think I probably did it every week for six months. Wow. And then eventually it gets weird because somebody else gets the phone number and someone picks up and you kind of freak out. But so, <laughs> you know, there is some merit to, there's something to that routine that you just kind of have to, to process and, and do. Here's something I'm curious about. I think, you know, every uh, gift so far, there has been an action that's come along with that. So saying thank you, saying that we're going to be okay. Is it important to say goodbye or is there a almost universal feeling of hey this is you know we can see the end of the road and we've come this far and there's just a basic understanding of I'm here and I'm, I'm going through this with the person who is who is dying and and those words don't necessarily need to be said well I think every situation is different but I think that it's okay to say those words. In fact, um, I can tell you stories about uh, family members where it almost seemed like the person who was dying was waiting for the family to say, Dad, it's okay to go. And maybe that's not the same as goodbye, but it's sort of that permission giving thing or uh, to be able to say to them, Dad, we're all here now and we've all said everything that we need to say. And so if you're ready to go, it's okay with us. We love you. Goodbye. Um, it, it, it somehow, and I don't, I don't know how this all works, but in some ways, I think sometimes people who are dying are waiting for that permission, and the goodbye is a, a way of giving them permission to go. Um, 
And around that, there's some, uh, just some kind of bizarre stories, if you will, of people. Sometimes I've, I've heard of stories in, uh, of people who are on their deathbed. And it's not until every last member of the family shows up that they finally take their last breath. It's as if they're waiting for someone. I've heard of stories of people waiting, uh, traveling from different states and getting to the patient's room and shortly after they arrive, the patient dies. And it's almost like that presence gives them permission to go. Um, I've heard of other stories that the family is standing vigil for hours on end and then they're, they're hungry and tired so they decide to all go take a short break at the cafeteria and shortly after they leave the room, the patient dies. I don't know how that's all connected, but there seems to be something in there uh, about this goodbye saying and this goodbye doing, that there are things that can be said or things that can be done that can give the person permission to leave. Yeah, there's almost a difference in the human spirit and the soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe, and maybe it's not different. Maybe it's all connected in a sense that uh, that, that uh, permission is tied up in family relationships in ways that we don't always even fully understand. Where I hear or where my heart hurts the most in these last few weeks and for sure the months moving forward is to hear of the people who cannot be next to loved ones when they pass because they're not allowed in hospitals. It's such a weird circumstance. How can people that have experienced that appropriately grieve because maybe they didn't have the chance to say what they needed to say, you know, it, yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I'll go back to something that we've said before, the power of our imagination and the importance of taking and doing specific activities is essential in those kinds of circumstances. I'll do a brief uh, commercial for uh, public radio's uh, podcast called Hidden Brain. There's an episode in there talking about imagination, and I just uh, listened to it yesterday. It's a powerful, powerful podcast. But it's about the importance of sitting down with uh, uh, your loved one. And in, in this episode, he talks about somebody sitting down and having a cup of coffee with God and having a dialogue back and forth, which is somewhat of what we've talked about in the past as well. And I think especially if you've lost a loved one and you weren't able to be there at the time, it's crucial for you to have that kind of practice, to have that conversation. Um, like we said before, uh, mostly you know what your loved one would say back to you. So go ahead and have the conversation. There's something healing that comes out of just voicing the words or writing them down on paper. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's kind of crazy because you think you spend so much time with somebody and you become so close. Uh, the idea that you would know what the person would say is very powerful and I think is a very subconscious thing. Because I sit here now and I think, oh, what would my mom or my dad say? And like little things come to mind, but it's really when you process that, you realize just how close you are to people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. So right. So, you know, you, you kind of touched on this earlier that it doesn't get easier. It only gets more familiar. And there's something to breaking the routines of holidays without that people, you know, without that person. Yeah. Um, where is the balance between 
honoring and acknowledging that person when they are not there and then allowing yourself to move on appropriately. Yeah, that's a, a good question too. You, you know, I think grief is so individualistic in some ways that um, it's hard to set a number. I remember back in the day, they used to say one year. And I think part of that was about getting through all the holidays and birthdays and all that stuff. But um, in later years, we've gotten smarter to that, that it really, it isn't just a, a time limited thing. Um, I think it does uh, kind of ask of us though, to be in community in some ways, to have a people that you can talk to to say, wow, I, you know, I'm obsessing on this about mom or dad and or my brother, that's all I think about. I can't go to work. Uh, it, when, when there are changes in your life that affect your family or others around you, it's time to have a conversation and say, is this normal? Uh, help me process this. Uh, because there's probably some unfinished business that needs to be tended to. And, you know, let's face it, we don't get through life by ourselves. We need the support of friends and family and sometimes professionals um, to help us uh, understand what we're experiencing. You know, there's this um, kind of beautiful uh, experience that I've gone through. My great grandpa, I had the pleasure of knowing for, you know, I think, oh, sorry, uh, I think about 12 years of my life. Um, awesome, just incredible guy. He passed away from a, a blood clot. Um, but after he passed, we, you know, we're going through all of this stuff and we found headshots. We're like, what? We found this entire portfolio of headshots and he had started acting in movies when he turned 80, but none of us knew this. So we had this wonderful experience of going through the movies and just seeing him as an extra in the background. Um, and it, you know, it just really surprised me how much you can learn about somebody after they pass, and yeah. being so young, and you know, I was under the impression that you could still communicate with somebody after they've gone. And mm -hmm. so, my prayers went from, you know, praying directly to God to just trying to have a, a dialogue with my great grandpa. Uh, and that, you know, that was a pretty powerful experience. I, I, you know, I can't say if I ever connected or you know anything. Like I didn't break out a Ouija board, but you know, it, it, there's something to the merit of just trying to have a conversation. And even now, you know, I haven't known him for, you know, what is it? 15 years. Um, but to just, to just give the space around me to let him fill up that space with my memory is, is, is a very powerful thing. Yeah. I, I think I've shared this with you too, that uh, I had a similar experience when I was five my grandpa who called me a little preacher died. And uh, I, I remember going home at night and praying and then asking God for a time out so I could talk to grandpa because uh, I needed to say some things to him. And uh, I did that for a few months, I think. In, and I hear what you're saying about that connection still being there. I don't know, you know, do people hear our words, our prayers? Sometimes I think that's a wonderful idea and other times that scares me. Uh, but I think it's, uh, why not? Um, why not? The, the sense that we have about who we are as people and the connection that we have as humanity as being all made in the image of God, why wouldn't we still be connected? I don't think time um, 
limits us as much as we'd like to think it does sometimes. Yeah. All right. Well, I think, um, you know, that's all the questions that I've had or anything that more that I want to know. Anything else that you think is important to talk about, you know, whether it be the final gift or the past five gifts combined? Um, I would just say kind of in summary that, you know, we've talked about these five gifts and uh, we want to lift those up as guidelines and suggestions, not a checklist that you have to have on a piece of paper as death uh, draws near. Uh, people do some of this work naturally uh, and uh, almost unconsciously sometimes with their loved ones. So it's not like, okay, you know, five minutes till death, we got to pull out the list and click them all off. It's what you need and what will help you cope with the loss of somebody significant in your life. And I would say again, too, that just because you didn't do one of those things at the time of death doesn't mean you can't go back and, and do them now. Um, there's uh, grief uh, will wait for you. Um, sometimes we're just too sad to do some of these pieces. So um, the most uh, pastoral thing I could say to you is be very gracious to yourself and let your grief unfold the way it needs to unfold. How about the other side of that to where, you know, is it appropriate for me to start this process with my loved ones that are here now, I mean, it might not, it might not be maybe focused in grief, but it might just be focused in appreciation or gratitude for them. Yeah, I think these are, you know, the five gifts. They're they're beautiful things. Why wait? <laughs> in some ways, um, you know, to tell people that uh, you love them and thank you for all that you did, and we'll be okay, and I forgive you. My goodness, um, they're all. All of us have places where those words could be helpful. And it may not be the thing that you want to do at the Thanksgiving table. Oh, I wrote this list of things that I want to forgive you all for. Um, that may not be the way or the time, but you may want to still write them down and put them in a, a box that you save for who knows when. Yeah. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe like your grandpa finding uh, pictures of him later on, your family will find these notes and letters and it will be, bring tremendous comfort. Yeah. Well, this is, uh, I've really enjoyed the past five weeks now. Yeah. Time's really flown by. Uh, I'm excited to see what comes next. What am I going to tell people? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, but I, I really do appreciate uh, the conversations that we've had and, um, uh, and everything that, all the expertise and experience that you've brought to the table. This has been a really... I think I've, I've been able to process through things and I know that other people have as well. Uh, so. Well, thank you, Cameron. I appreciate your uh, honesty and vulnerability in this time. It's been fun doing this with you and we'll see what comes next. All right. Sounds good. Sounds like we'll see you in a few weeks. Okay. Take care. Thanks for joining us on this week's podcast. Next week, it is just going to be me talking for 20 minutes solo, which is not a problem at all for me to do. Uh, what I'm going to ask of you guys, though, is that if you are listening to this podcast, please write in questions, whether it's about anything that we discussed, any topics about religion, Christianity. I like talking about me and me personally, uh, and I will uh, try and tackle some of the best uh, questions that we get submitted. Uh, if you would like to submit a question, my email is c-a-m-e-r-o-n at p-e-a-c-e-e. E-A-G-A-N dot org. 
It'll also be in the podcast notes below. See you next week.